Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to exploring exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. This is an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of our ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. Indeed, an hour for the open-minded, willing to think, and perhaps even risk their foregone conclusions in order to discover an entirely new dimension in their thoughts and being. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right. Each week, I read a few of your letters as our way of respecting the importance you play in our show. Last week, our show was all about using the patented InterTalk technology as a tactical tool in your success strategy. We receive more letters and comments on this show than any in the past, and we simply cannot share but a very few of them today. Still, I want to personally thank all of you for your feedback and continued support. Paul wrote, I've had many great things go right since I went with your InterTalk programs. My family and friends are really blown away by the change. Thank you. Well, thank you, Paul, and keep up the terrific progress. Yulia wrote, I am making progress. As suggested, I started with forgiveness, and now I am trusting in the process of life. I've tried different techniques before, both conventional and non-orthodox. But your forgiveness program works wonders for me. Thank you, Eldon, and anyone involved in bringing the free programs to the public. Well, you're more than welcome, Yulia, and thanks for the feedback. Terry wrote, love your intertalk programs, your shows, and I recently bought the Mind Programming book. I've been listening to the Serenity CD that came with it and love it. Thank you so much for all you do, Eldon. Well, thank you, Terry. Feedback like yours makes it all really worthwhile. Lucero wrote, your mind programming and radio series are wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and kindness. It's my pleasure, Lucero. Thank you for the warm and generous words. Debbie wrote, I have not been able to experience your program, but I listened to your show on Hay House, and I'm your friend on Facebook. I'm always impressed by your forthrightness, and I share your insights and information always. Well, thank you, Debbie. I'll do my best to be true to your words. Now, here's a pithy remark sent in by Melissa. Your work works. I like that. Thanks, Melissa. Tracy wrote, Hi, Eldon. I really love your radio show and have been listening for some time. Until this week, the light did not go on that it could be Great to try some of your MP3 downloads for free. Thank you so much for providing them. I appreciate you. Well, thank you, Tracy, and for all of you, there is no reason to wait. Get your free InterTalk programs, including forgiveness, on MP3 today by going to my website, eldentaylor.com. We see this as just a part of our own Pay It Forward program. Now, Ravinder, you're especially going to like this next comment. I am. Is it a nice one? It is. Thomas wrote, I was in another Hay House radio host chat room, and it made me appreciate your room. A, it doesn't move as fast. B, they don't go as deep. C, they don't question anything. The host told her students in the chat room something that I didn't seem to resonate with. I asked them about it, and a lot of people seem to just take it all as truth, because that's what the host says. I asked why they felt this was accurate, and I got mostly... Well, because it's what she says. And then they kept saying things like, you go too deep, Thomas. You just go too deep for this chat. 
I was thinking, if you can't go deep with Hay House fans, who can you go deep with? I mean, I believe a lot of new agey, wooey, wooey type stuff, but I don't believe anything about, you know, without first checking to see if it resonates with me. Anyways, I love this chat room. Well, Thomas, we love you. What have you got to say about that, Rav? I love it. I love it. I actually don't think we go deep in the chat room. We're very, very practical. So if this other chat room said it was too deep, I have no idea what they're looking for. I know, but you've always got, I mean, you've got a great group in the chat room. They ask the pointed questions. They bring a great depth of knowledge Real and experience. experience. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you mean by they, they, I, by many standards, I suppose I would, I would agree with, uh, you know, the writer that is, uh, you've got an excellent chat room. It is we a do. well-informed chat room. It is we not a, a non-thinking group of folks that you have there. Virginia wrote, I am presently reading your book, mind programming. It is extremely interesting. I have certainly learned about, my mind and myself, thanks for the great work. Well, thank you, Virginia, for the feedback. Mind programming continues to be an international bestseller. T wrote, I've read several of your books and have loved them enormously. However, I'm a tad confused. I've been listening to some of your archived radio shows and listened to one where your guest was Jillian Holloway. In it, she put down the law of attraction and said it was harmful. And you said you completely concur with her despite the fact that you've had positive things to say about it in past references. Can you please explain this contradiction? First, thanks for the letter and your excellent question. For all of you, this is how I answered T's letter. This is actually the material for an upcoming show on provocative enlightenment. The subject is complicated and must be placed within a context. Tell me that someone like the 14-year-old girl in Pakistan created her circumstances by her thoughts, and that's why her husband cut her nose and ears off and banished her to the stables for not pleasing him, and I'm more than a little disturbed. To imply that the victims of such horrible acts are responsible for them due to their thoughts is simply both ignorant and irresponsible. Now, in another context... To say that the person who fails to believe in their own abilities is responsible for at least some of their failures in life is both absolutely fair and correct. Now, the problem is when you deal with the word law. The law of gravity is not capricious. It always works. You never float upward without warning. The law states that the force of gravity is proportional to the product of the two masses, and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. It works with all of the other laws of physics in a near-absolute way. The word law implies this sort of regularity. The power of the mind is remarkable and still not thoroughly understood. That said, there are many minds, and they are all creating, to some extent, simultaneously, but not in concert. Take this example that I know from a local group of children, all of which come uh, come from homes that teach the power of visualization and the so-called law of attraction. Seven children compete for one trophy. They all visualize, make posters, enrich their thoughts with the knowing that they will win and so forth. Yet only one wins. Why? 
Some may argue that the best visualization won. But that explanation pales when you know the competition required a certain physical prowess that one young person simply was gifted with at birth, much more so than any of the other children. So what happens with the law? What do we do with a group of young men who drink too much, are out looking for trouble, come upon a 16-year-old girl and then gang rape her? Do we set him free, for after all, the girl must have attracted this to herself? I hope you get the point. As I said, we all, we will have an entire show dedicated to this and, and the book The Secret in August. I totally agree with Dr. Holloway in the context of our discussion, but I know her and she is a gifted psychologist. Still, this is a complicated subject that all too often gets a glossary overview that is both superficial and genuinely nonsensical in many aspects. Now, T wrote me back, and a reply is worth sharing, especially since his subject is so immersed with nonsense, rubbish, and the like. T wrote, thank you so much for your response. I hope my letter didn't make it seem that I was a huge fan of the law of attraction. Although I appreciate what it's trying to say, there's certainly, as in the secret, plenty they don't say. And actually, that's where your work comes in. Perhaps I was confusing your statements of believing in yourself and the power of your mind as having a more favorable lean towards the law of attraction than what was really there. For that, I apologize. No apologies necessary, T. Indeed, thank you very much for a relevant question. All right, Tony wrote, I'm nearly done reading Mind Programming and as a pure inspiration. It links perfectly with the manifestational and healing literature to complete a picture. A must-read. Thanks, Tony, and I'm very glad you enjoyed the read. And Angelica wrote, Hi, just listening to the rebroadcast of your week's show as I was unable to listen on Tuesday. Thank you for your invitation into the Provocative Enlightenment family. You absolutely do get it, which is why I'm hooked. Well, thank you, Angelica. Angelica. And we invite all of you to not only join us, but please invite everyone you know to do so as well. Okay, that's all the time we're going to take for letters, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming. I highly value your input, and I do encourage you to please provide your feedback. And once again, thank you, all of you, for your continued support. Now to today's show. Paranormalia, the new anti-skeptic movement. I'm not sure we need another term, especially one such as paranormalia, but I do recognize the growing influence of the so-called secular progressive movement with its elitist pinch on reality. From the better known among them, such as Richard Dawkins, to the lesser and even unknown sponsors of what today is called scientism, their influence has penetrated the masses. Now, scientism is defined this way. Unlike the use of the scientific method as only one mode of reaching knowledge, scientism claims that science alone can render truth about the world and reality. Scientism's single-minded adherence to only the empirical or testable makes it a strictly scientific worldview in much the same way that Protestant fundamentalism rejecting science can be seen as a strictly religious worldview. Scientism sees it necessary to do away with most, if not all, 
metaphysical, philosophical, and religious claims as the truths they proclaim cannot be apprehended by the scientific method. In essence, scientism sees science as the absolute and only justifiable access to truth. And that implies repeatability. There is another caveat to today's show, which we should also introduce at the beginning. And that is what constitutes good science. What is good science? For some, like the Dawkins of the world, science is something already known. This is what I mean by that. Richard Dawkins, by way of example, has publicly remarked that although he has not seen the latest data on random number generators, it doesn't matter. It would not change his opinion about the mind's ability to somehow influence a machine. Now, for me, science is about inquiry, and when we no longer inquire, we no longer practice science. We practice technique to re-demonstrate what the paradigm has already decided to accept. In that sense, the scientist becomes something like a mechanic doing the same thing over and over, or like Thomas Kuhn, the man who introduced the entire idea of paradigm shifts, would argue. The scientist is no longer discovering, for any discovery that challenges the paradigm must have been done incorrectly, since the findings are already known to be false. Okay, our guest today has written a marvelous book, and, and this is truly a good book. You'll want to read it, titled Randy's Prize, What Skeptics Say About the Paranormal, Why They Are Wrong, and Why It Matters. The name owes itself to the magician and self-declared debunking expert, James Randy. Randy offers a $1 million paranormal challenge, claims to have debunked famed psychics like Uri Geller, and legitimizes his academic interest through his James Randi Educational Foundation. Now, in all fairness, Randy often calls a spade a spade, and in my view, he's absolutely correct in doing so. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of our guest today, so let's meet the man we'll share the rest of this hour with. Robert McLuhan worked for some years as a foreign correspondent for The Guardian and the Associated Press in Spain and Portugal. He is a professional journalist, mainly writing feature articles for business magazines. He's been researching parapsychology for the past 20 years. And as I mentioned earlier, is the author of Randy's Prize, a study of psi research past and present. He's married with two children. I identify with this man's words. He writes... There's an intellectual vacancy about much New Age material. As inspirational literature, it often works well within its own terms, but it's less convincing when it tries to seek validation with vague references to quantum theory or to scientists whose ideas are viewed with suspicion by their peers. On the other hand, its supernaturalist worldview might seem to be supported by the anomalous experiences that people often report and which are sometimes well-documented, however odd. Let's meet this fellow. So welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Robert McLuhan. Hi there. How are you today, sir? Very well. Thank you, Eldon. Thank you very much for inviting, you on, uh, inviting me on your show. It's indeed our pleasure. You're in the United Kingdom, so I guess it's evening for you, I isn't indeed, it? I am indeed, yes. A nice balmy uh, evening in, in London. I have to tell you, I love your book. I love your writing style. Thank you. Uh, I think you've done an outstanding job with this. This one is, this one's going to get a corner in my bookcase with all of the yellow underlining, and I'll definitely be reviewing it 
uh, in the future and, and, and probably quoting much of what you said. But, but to begin with, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and your beginnings in parapsychology. I believe you were trained at Oxford. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, but I don't have a science background at all. I, I, I read English literature. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was my thing, sort of poetry, Shakespeare, all that sort of thing. Um, but I started to get interested in science um, in my late 20s. Um, and I stopped reading novels. Um, and I started reading books about the evolution and um, cosmology and uh, all that sort of thing. Found it absolutely fascinating. Um, but then at the same time, um, there just happened to be near where I worked. There was a, a New Age bookshop. So I used to go in there in my lunch hour and poke around. Um, and I got interested in that stuff, uh, channeling, um, uh, mediumship, uh, near-death experiences especially. Um, and it struck me that... Um, you know, a lot of this, a lot of these things that people talk about that they experience, um, they describe very sincerely. Um, you know, it seemed to me they weren't making it up, uh, but it quite obviously didn't fit with um, what I was reading in the science books. Um, so I got mightily puzzled, and uh, I was sort of trying to work out how to um, reconcile the two things together, and then realized I couldn't. And that one of them must be true and the other one wasn't. But I, I had no idea, you know, w which was true. Um, and then I lost my job. Uh, so I had quite a lot of time to um, spare um, to go to libraries and uh, read books and papers and articles and um, just generally educate myself about these things. Um, and I found the uh, Society for Psychical Research, which I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had no idea... Uh, that there, that uh, scientists had actually investigated things like ghosts and mediums. I mean, that, that seemed um, quite counterintuitive. Um, but there were stacks of uh, um, articles and books on these subjects. Um, right. So I spent the next couple of years um, reading through it all. Um, and at the same time, I, I was uh, very interested in what um, skeptics like um, James Randi um, and Ray Hyman and um, James Alcock, you know, all these, um, these mm -hmm. psychop guys um, had to right. say about these things. So I, I was comparing it all very closely. Um, and, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a really interesting two or three years just working, working my way through it. Um, and that actually was um, the basis of the first draft of, of my book, Randy's Prize, um, which, which really is, is an attempt to try to... Um, you know, to try and to to to, to 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 try to work out, you know, which of these things, where, where the truth lies, if you like. Okay, well, let's take on Randy's prize. Exactly, what is Randy's prize? Yes, um, Rand, James Randy has this um, challenge, which I I think he's offered for some years now. I think in the early right. years it was uh, well, just a matter of a few hundred, few thousand dollars. Um, but over the years. Um, you know, the, the, the donation funds have um, raised the sum to, to over a million. And as I understand it, that money is right. um, ready there waiting to um, be given to anybody who um, satisfies him that they have um, psychic powers. Um, and, of course, as we know, um, the money is, um, is still there. Right. Okay, so we have the million-dollar challenge. But now I've heard that Randy fudges his arrangement when he loses – well, and or it appears that he might lose. Um, indeed, there's a scandal about Pear's rejection by Randy, 
that's led to statements like James Randi focuses attention on one million dollars, which does exist, while hiding the fact that he reserves the right to change the rules of his contest so that no one can win. So, have yeah. you heard this and 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 of any other cheats or what I would think of as cheats? And and can you share some of those details? Because well, it you, sounds you, like. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's um, it's all rather sort of. Um, opaque and, and murky, and you don't really know what's going on. Um, I, I think uh, cheating is perhaps too strong a word. I mean, it's probably not the word I choose, uh, although certainly some people would. Um, I, I think it, it's just that the test suffers from such a, a lack of transparency um, that no one really has a very clear idea of what's going on. Um, Randy is on record as saying that nobody has um, passed the preliminaries. Um, but what are the preliminaries? Um, how, how, how does he arrive at that situation? We never really find out. Um, and certainly I've followed some cases online of uh, people who've um, tried to apply for the challenge and got bogged down very quickly in arguments about, uh, you know, how the testing will take place and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, as a test, I, I would say that uh, it leaves quite a lot to be desired. Um, but obviously, as a, as a proper candidate tool, then um, it works very well because it does convince um, scientists and skeptics um, who, who aren't necessarily scientists themselves. It, it does convince them um, that, uh, you know, since nobody has uh, applied for it and won it, um, that therefore right. there is no such thing as um, psychic powers. Propaganda tool, I like that. That's a good one. That's that's precisely what I see it. Because as you say, there is no transparency. And the problem is, of course, if you're going to claim to do science, one of the rigorous aspects about science is verifiability, repeatability. So what you do is you set out the standard. And as you point out, there isn't a standard. There's a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what it is that you want to prove as to and who you are as to what Randy sets out for you to pre-qualify, let alone to qualify. And, yeah. and that's not not obvious. Uh, all right. We, we have a. A break coming up, uh, but in about 45 seconds, have you had a personal psychic experience that's convinced you that this stuff is real? Um, Yeah, that's not a a big part of it. Um, But, yeah, I've had uh, one or two encounters with um, psychics um, that were sort of more or less involuntary, where they just uh, came up and um, gave me chapter and verse about situations in my life that happened to be stunningly accurate. Um, and it wasn't information I'd asked for. So, so yes, I was pretty impressed. So there's no way that this was a cold reading. They were deriving yeah, I, information from Yeah, well, I often think you. about that. But, no, I mean, I can't see any likelihood of that at all. Okay. So, you're, you're, I mean, I, I guess where I'm going with this is I know myself – I'm trained as a scientist, and as such, I really question a lot of information out there. But undeniably, I have to also live with my experience, and I have had experiences that irrefutably suggest there's information outside of our current paradigm, especially beyond the scope of scientism, and you're telling me that that exists for you too? Indeed. All right, Robert. Well, you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're discussing what skeptics say about the paranormal. And this next half hour, we're going to get really deep. If you're not already in our chat room, now is a great time for you to join our conversation. Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. We have the video there. You'll want to see it. It's a controversial one. During, uh, Stay with us during this next half hour. We'll be right back after some of these words from our friends. 
confusion, deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing a a truly great read, Randy's Prize, What Skeptics Say About the Paranormal, Why They Are Wrong, and Why It Matters. But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you will receive special announcements and incentives from time to time as our way of thanking you for your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. If you like our show, spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. Now, one more thing. I just learned that my New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions, is available on sale for your Kindle or Nook for 99 cents. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't have this book, if you haven't read it, maybe even if you did, you have read it, if you don't have it on your Kindle or your Nook, you, you go get it. 99, I don't know who thought that one up, who figured that one out, but get it while the price is that low. While you're out there getting Randy's prize, what skeptics say about the paranormal, be sure to add 99 cents and add on your for your Kindle or your Nook choices and illusions. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, we were discussing the the nature of how our experience is a integral part of the way we face the world. We can have all the training in the world, and we've discussed that on this show before, of uh, solid scientific background. But when our experience flies in the face of the standard paradigm, or when we just stop long enough to to recognize that you can't repeat many things. I've said this before. You know, we cannot repeat, uh, for example, uh, a short man at Waterloo. Uh, We can go out and hire a short man. We can teach him to, you know, put his hand in his pocket. Uh, We can tell him that he's going to be Napoleon Bonaparte. And we can hire all the characters to reenact that battle 
but it, it's not going to be the same thing. We, we, may, we may not even get the same outcome. So we have to recognize that a good deal of, of life is about our experience. One of the things that I enjoy so much about your book, Robert, is that you haven't come into this as a proponent of one idea or the other idea. That is, I come away from your book understanding that, you know, not all skeptics are genuinely skeptics. They they would be pseudo-skeptics. And perhaps not all of the claims on the paranormal are as solid or as convincing as they would like us to think. Is that a fair assumption? Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think it is important to uh, retain a, a critical attitude uh, because obviously we start believing in, in everything. Then uh, where does that get us? Um, I, I, I have to say that on the whole, I, I mean, I really do take the view that psychic phenomena is genuine. Um, and I tend to be quite critical uh, of certainly some of the more extreme skeptics um, uh, among whom, obviously, is um, James Randi, I suppose, is pretty close to the top of the list. Uh, I think that uh, their attitude, their, their approach um, to the subject is uh, insensitive. Um, I admire the people who devoted uh, a lot of time and attention to these subjects, uh, particularly the early researchers in the late 19th century. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, people, for instance, like uh, William James, uh, who I admire greatly, um, and I thought he had absolutely the right attitude, a critical, um, inquiring, um, open-minded. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I think he, you know, he did take these things quite seriously. Uh, but if you compare that to uh, the attitude of, as I say, some of the more extreme skeptics, then uh, you see, uh, you know, quite a serious uh, uh, difference there. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm clear about uh, what I admire and uh, what I don't. Well, let's let's take that on. Marcelo Truzzi is credited with a statement that uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. And I, I believe in your book that, that you uh, you quoted a very famous uh, astrophysicist. Uh, yeah, and his name just ran out of my mind. Is giving him credit for that term, but I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, Carl thanks, Sagan. Carl Sagan. There you go. But Truzzi supposedly coined that terminology when he and Sagan were all a part of a, a new forming group uh, that today we know as Psychop. Yeah. Uh, he was also referred to as the skeptic skeptic uh, by Paul Kurtz, the co-founder of Psychop uh, and publisher of the Skeptical Inquirer. Uh, it's my understanding that he did so because he became convinced that Psychop was agenda-driven to debunk anything paranormal as opposed to find the truth. Yeah. In your research, do you believe that, that most skeptics are indeed pseudo-skeptics with their own agendas as opposed to genuinely attempting to find the truth? Well, um, I, I mean, I, I try to avoid um, words... Um, like pseudo-skeptic, just simply because um, that, you know, I try to avoid being too con confrontational about these things. But heck, yes, um, I think they, they do have an agenda. Um, I was very um, impressed by the work of, well, perhaps impressed is the wrong word, but it, it, it had a, an impact on me, the work of uh, Paul Kurtz, uh, who's a humanist philosopher, 
um, mm-hmm. and one of the um, chief founders of the PSYCOP. Um, mm-hmm. And it struck me that here's a man um, who is um, um, a, a humanist um, by ideology, um, an atheist, um, and he's not about to accept um, any kind of um, paranormal um, phenomena because it just simply would not fit with his worldview. And I have to say that um, when you read the work of, of, um, of these people, um, and there aren't very many of them, um, but they do seem to be agenda-driven. They aren't open to um, different ideas, different possibilities. They, they, uh, they don't accept um, the work that... Uh, Um, far more dedicated researchers have done. Um, They're not open to their ideas. They they don't seem to uh, be aware of the enormous challenges that many of these things create. They simply explain them away. Um, And they have their own audience um, who are driven in the same way, I suppose. Um, But yes, um, it's very frustrating. And you should add, uh, you know, Kurtz is also the founder of Prometheus Press. And and if you, you know, you want to know who publishes most of this material, you just look up Prometheus That's Press. That's right, yes. <laughs> so let's, let's go to the meat of the issue. What is it that the so-called skeptics are saying, and why does that matter? Well, skeptics will say that there is no such thing as psychic phenomena um, or, or psi. Um, as um, parapsychologists call it, clairvoyance, um, telepathy, um, precognition, psychokinesis. Um, these things cannot occur um, because, um, as the cliche has it, um, if they were true, um, then science would unravel all the way back to Galileo. Um, okay. And that's unthinkable. Um, and, and I think that that's their starting position. Um, and they have all kinds of um, general general ways of explaining it away. Um, it's in the mind. Um, the mind plays tricks on us um, much more than we're aware of. Um, humans are, are very prone to looking for patterns, looking for meaning where there is none. Um, and then, of course, there's good old fraud. Um, people uh, who are in it just for a quick buck. Um, right. You put all these things together and you've got an explanation. And 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 also a strategy, and and I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know this. Curses people are on record that uh, uh, a good belly ra- laugh is worth it to take on the fact. Let's you know, let's you're gonna make this attack an ad hoc ty- kind of uh, of uh, uh, attack. We're ad hominem, I should say, yeah. where we can attack the individual. Uh, and, and if we can do so in a, in a way that causes, you know, gives rise to laughter and ridicule, we'll dismiss the entire field. Yeah. Michael Shermer does a good job at that. Yes. He actually has a book out there. And his book is all about how he posed as a psychic, doing everything from reading palms and tarot to pretending to be an astrologer. Yes. He claims to have fooled everyone. And, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on Shermer and, and how, well, and Ray Hyman. Hyman has done the same kind of thing where they use their their intellectual training, particularly in, in psychology, to lead people more than and, and better than any cold uh, reader that I've, you know, I've ever encountered. 
Yes, I mean, it's a, a big subject. I mean, just on those two individuals you mentioned, um, I, I mean, I do have some respect for Ray Hyman because he has uh, engaged with parapsychologists and he talks their language. Um, and, he, he, you know, he makes arguments that at least you can knock down. Um, I think Shermer's in a rather um, different category. Um, I mean, I, I know about these stunts um, that he does, uh, these sort of cold reading stunts. And I have to say, um, I mean, I, I've never really come across anyone who's been remotely convinced by <laughs> the, the uh, cold reading as done by um, mentalists and, and conjurers. Um, there just doesn't seem to be much of an interlap between um, you know, what they do and the best uh, mediums and psychics do. There is some, obviously. Um, but yes, uh, I, I think they are in a world of their own. Um, I, I do think it's important um, for people like uh, ourselves um, to, to bang away at this and just to say, look, um, Michael Shermer, Ray Hyman, James Randi, uh, Richard Wiseman, these people are not necessarily the authorities on this subject. The people who really know what they're talking about are the people who investigate it, uh, the people who really dedicate their lives to it. Um, and that, that's an important message to get across, I think. Yeah, I, I, I totally concur. I share that completely. Okay. <clears throat> you address many forms of the paranormal in your book. Uh, and we and, and we should make that very clear because you have a chapter that'll deal with mediums and perhaps then another chapter that'll deal with Rupert Sheldrake and his dogs and and uh, Rupert will be back on our show here real soon to discuss his latest uh, book on the dogs or, or Ryan's experiments and so forth. Hmm. Uh, so, I, I, you know, what is the most impressive area so far as you're concerned where uh, parapsychological research is, is is relevant? That's a very interesting question. You know, I think most people would focus on, on the, the modern, the contemporary research um, into um, um, psychic phenomena, the, the laboratory-based research, just simply because it is scientific. Um, it's, um, it's based on statistics. Um, it's got a very clear method. It's absolutely transparent. Um, uh, having said that, uh, and I think there are some some quite um, uh, some some quite uh, um, it's very some very interesting work out there. Of course, um, R Rupert Sheldrake's work in particular, I think I, I, I thought that his um, staring um, experiments um, yes. were very interesting. So you know, I certainly single out things like that. Um, but I have to say that um, speaking for myself. Um, I, I'm um, very impressed by um, some of the early psychic research, um, which perhaps is criticized now for, for, being, for, for lacking that scientific rigor. Um, but I, I, I pick out things like uh, the work that um, William James and uh, Richard Hodgson, um, an Australian psychic researcher, um, did with um, the Boston medium, Leonora Piper. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a very um, intensive um, series of um, uh, sittings over a, a long period of uh, time, uh, produced um, three, four um, very in-depth papers. Um, and I think if you read these, you very soon get the sense that um, these guys were bowled over by it. Um, and yes, uh, you know, this is not white coats, clipboards, um, laboratory work. Uh, we're not talking about machines here. We're not talking about statistical um, um, uh, statistics. Analysis. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we, 
we, he gives they, they give a very strong impression um, of of a psychic um, operation at work. Um, and yes, uh, you know those things uh, those things interest me, um, and I certainly don't think, think they should be disregarded. You know, I, I I share that totally with you that that perspective. I I know that uh, you know in reading some of the old papers and studies that uh, you know to us they're old and and it's so easy to dismiss because we think well you know what did they know about the scientific method? But you know I can remember look, looking at some of Franklin's work, uh, Benjamin Franklin, and he was you know he's actually commissioned to look at hypnosis and its effect, and in order to control against faking. The test was, did the subject levitate? And he describes how they they looked for hidden pulleys and ropes and so forth. Mm-hmm. And and once the individual was levitating, well, they were convinced that they were genuinely, genuinely yeah. in hypnosis. Yeah. Now, you, you have to take that seriously. This is a man that certainly knew whether or not there were ropes or pulleys yeah. uh, or fakers present. And this was this was an academic research. Yeah. No, so you, you really do yeah. have to look at those things yeah. and you can't discount them. Yes, yeah, that's absolutely my view. Uh, I, I mean, I think I think the psychokinesis is is the thing that skeptics find easiest to explain away because they just shout fraud. Um, but when you look at the caliber of some of these people, uh, I mean, top top notch scientists like William Crookes, Solmer, um, mm, yes. um, these guys, it's you know, they I I just don't accept that they were bamboozled by charlatans. It just doesn't ring true. Now you you're on record as saying one of the areas that you're most impressed with is uh, poltergeist, hmm. and I, I know for myself that you know there's this there's a book that was turned into a movie, but it's a true story. It's called The Entity. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Um, quite vaguely, yes. Okay, well, this is a story of a of a woman haunted by a poltergeist who repeatedly rapes her, mm. and you know she actually gets a team from the local university, a parapsychology team, and 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 those this is uh, um, from the psychology department uh, to assist her in, in t- attempting to to get rid of this uh, poltergeist, this entity. And uh, is unsuccessful at doing that, even though she moves. But they were able to document a lot of this information. And so it's in the scientific literature. And and I look at it and I think, well, you know, I suppose, you know, there could be fraud. I mean, cold fusion turned out to be less than real. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, from an academic standpoint like that, with all of the witnesses those are the kinds of things that, to me, I see in in the documents I see in history that shout at me and say there has to be something to us. What is it about poltergeist that impresses you the most? Well, it's a very interesting thing, and, and you're right. It it it, it is um, something that I, I think about. Um, you know what? Um, a poltergeist is is something. If you said the word poltergeist, everybody knows what you're talking about. It's as though we understand what it is, that there's a word for it. It's a particular thing. Um, and uh, I, mean, I, I recall a case I wrote about in my blog a year or two ago. There was a, um, a, a, a city authority um, which paid um, for a, a public housing tenant um, for, for, to, to hire an exorcist to get rid of a poltergeist. Um, it's officially accepted that such things do exist, at least on that level. 
Um, and yet, according to science, there is no such thing. Um, and uh, I, I find that very interesting. Um, I think that um, this phenomenon of noises, of things that go bump in the night, as James Randi would uh, jovially say, um, is actually probably more common than, than we may think. Um, and I look at some of the cases on record, um, and uh, I don't know if your, your, your readers might be interested, I'm, your, your listeners might be interested, I'm putting together a, a, a little uh, e-book. Uh, I'm bringing together all the cases that I can find um, in one place um, of uh, these types of events. Uh, well, I'm uh, sure they're going to be interested, so don't tease us. Tell us where yeah. the ebook's going to be, uh, you know, and, and, and your blog and, and your website. We may as well do that all right now. Yes. Uh, I, I was going to say that uh, I, I'm pulling all these things together, uh, and there are so many cases on record where, where, where many people witness these things. Uh, it's a it's a group thing. It's a collective thing. That's what interests me about it. Um, and as I say, I, I think that uh, even in our rather ambiguous Western culture, where, where we lean both ways, um, it, it's a phenomenon that we accept, even though science says it can't exist. Yeah, I agree. Now, you know, back to the point. Uh... Where is your blog? Give us the URL for your blog. Uh, yes, the blog is called Paranormalia, uh, and it's um, www.paranormalia.com. Um, and on it, I write, uh, I write about uh, consciousness, um, spirituality, and um, psychic research, those sorts of things. Um, and I, you know, I go into subjects in a little bit of depth. Um, so there's that. Um, Randy's Prize um, is uh, available on Amazon.com, um, both as a paperback um, for about 19.99 uh, and also as an e-book um, for about um, $7 and something. Um, uh, so, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, your blog, you better spell that one. Paranormalia, paranormal, and then just IA on the end. Okay. All right. Now, uh, how good do you consider the scientific evidence, Robert, uh, to be for anomalous phenomena then? I mean, whether it's ESP, ghosts, or out-of-body perception. I mean, is it particularly strong? Does it, you know, yeah. I mean, how good do you think it is? Yeah, very good question. Do you know what? Uh, I, I started out sort of thinking in terms of how strong is the evidence, how good is the evidence. Um, and at a certain point, it certainly convinced me. Um, and I, I think I rather innocently thought that as an author, um, if I spelled it out and I described the evidence as well as I could, um, then people who perhaps previously might have been a bit skeptical uh, might come around and say, well, Robert, actually, you've convinced us. Um, I actually don't believe that anymore. Um, more and more, I think that we are driven by temperament. It's not uh, so much a question of the evidence. It's a question of who we are, of where we are in life's journey, um, how easy or difficult we find it to respond to these things. Um, and I think it, you know, in many ways, it, it perhaps doesn't matter how good the evidence is if we're not prepared to accept it. Uh, and I think we very much have to take that into account. Um, Personally, I think um, the evidence is convincing. Uh, it astonishes me uh, in many cases that people aren't convinced by it. And yet I have to recognize that there are many people out there who, who don't give, uh, who, who have, give no credence to it, whatever. 
Um, and I asked myself why that is. Um, and I always come back to this point that uh, the world is made up of um, different types. We all have different temperaments. We, uh, we're at different stages um, in our um, psychological and uh, um, spiritual development. And some people just simply will not accept it, however strong the evidence is. Um, so that uh, has to be part of the equation. Amen, amen. So I guess last question, and I'll give you about a minute to, to to play with this one. How strong do you think is the evidence for the view that mind originates entirely in the brain? I mean, I know that you're on record as saying you think this is all about consciousness. Yeah. So what's yeah. your view there? Um, I'm I'm not a scientist. Uh, I I can't uh, talk about the scientific evidence um, with confidence, um, but it does seem to me that the evidence for um, the mind being the brain is quite scant. Um, and looked at objectively, um, I suppose by that I mean if you took into account um, the, um, the anomalous uh, phenomena, such as the sort of things we're talking about now. Um, then there's no chance at all uh, that um, the brain can be the source of mind. Um, But actually, you know, I don't think you have to go that far. And there are people um, coming out and uh, writing books. There's uh, one by um, a friend of mine called Matt Colburn um, here in London who's um, publishing a book on this very subject quite soon. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go as far as uh, uh, talking about psychic phenomena. Just out of time, Robert. I'd love to have this conversation go on. Uh, For our listening audience, the website is Paranormalia, P-A-R-A-N-O-R-M-A-L-I-A dot com. Uh, It's a great read. The book is Randy's Prize. All right. Well, we've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show. And we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And if you have comments on our show, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.